Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Speakers. Southwestern Speakers is comprised of top producing thought leaders, authors, and experts who deliver dynamic presentations that shift the hearts and minds of audiences worldwide. Our team of experienced agents can guide you to find the right speaker for your annual conferences, meetings, and events, providing outstanding service from start to finish. Southwestern Speakers goes above and beyond to elevate your event and offers additional programs to extend the impact of our speakers' presentation long after they have left the stage. In this episode, author, speaker, activist, and Olympic gold medalist Scott Hamilton returns from episode 363 with the story of his Olympic victory, his work battling cancer, and his upcoming annual fundraiser. In 1984, when you captured the Olympic gold medal, that had to be just so incredible. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit of what that experience was like and the path that set you on the course to becoming an Olympic gold medal winner. I mean, I was sort of a habitual loser, you know, kind of early in my career. And when you're, when you're not winning as a boy in figure skating, that's really bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're meddling and you're a girl in figure skating, there's so many women in figure skating that you're probably really good. But if you're a boy in figure skating and you don't meddle, you probably should be thinking about doing something else, you know, because there's just <laughs> not as many guys. So I was kind of always at the bottom. And then my mom was diagnosed with cancer and she said, you have one year left. And I said, okay. So I went all in. Uh, my coach had retired. I went in with a new coach and uh, he was sort of a uh, whip cracking taskmaster kind of guy. And, you know, I just sort of said, I'll submit, you know, so I went all in and I ended up from the best finish I ever had at a national championship, which is seven. I win the junior title. So that was a big, you know, kind of big moment. And then um, I was given a sponsorship, which gave me a second life in skating because I won that title. And um, I, I went to a new coach and uh, that bared incredible fruit, but I still kind of went back to my losing ways. It was that first year after I won the junior title that I was, I went back to the bottom of the senior level. That was the last time my mom saw me skate. And so grieving, you know, kind of the most important person on the planet to me, the most, the one I love the most it, it sort of became fuel for the fire that I, I just really wanted to be the skater that she always dreamed I could be. I always wanted to be the person that she always dreamed I could be. And so I, I just, you know, put my head down and I got to work and I ended up uh, making it onto the podium of the nationals the very next year. And then two years later, I'm on the Olympic team. And then there was one competition after that Olympic year in 1980, where I came in second. It's only one of two times I've ever, or three times I ever came in second in my skating life. I the first, third, or completely off the podium, right? <laughs> and so um, I, I went from October of 1980 until March of 1984. I, I never lost another competition. And, and it was really remarkable. You know, I got lucky a few times. But, you know, heading into Sarajevo, you know, I, I kept running into members of the media. And they would say things like, do you realize that you're the only real lock? 
going into this Olympic games, meaning like you're the only one that's guaranteed to win. And I go, well, I mean, it's skating and it's on ice and I do have knives strapped to my feet. So it's probably not hundred percent a lock. And they said, no, no, no. If you don't win the gold medal, that probably is a huge failure and embarrassment for our country. And I was like, since when, since when is that like, you know, the way to do this? <laughs> I just sort of hid from the media the whole time I was in Sarajevo. And um, I went in with a strategy that if I was top three in figures, top three in short, top three in long, mathematically, there was no way I could lose the gold medal. And so I had to get strong where I was weak. I was weak in the compulsory figures historically. And I just put my head down and I had to fall in love with compulsory figures. I just had to get over my animosity and fall in love. And as I loved figures, they started to love me back. And um, on the way to Sarajevo, um, my coach uh, strategically wanted to stop in Paris for a few days of jet lag, you know, kind of getting over that. So when I showed up in Sarajevo, I was locked down 100%. And in Paris, there was um, a skater who was the best figures, compulsory figures skater in the world, and probably one of the best of all time. And Don wanted me to go there to train with him. And his coach um, was this character, somebody that I get a big kick out of. And this figures a skater, this, his name was Jean-Christophe Simon. He was great in figures, but he struggled in the freestyle. And a lot of it was motivation, right? So his coach thought if I came, I could motivate him in freestyle, then that would be a great thing. And Don really wanted me to see his figures. So Don put my patch right next to his patch, my coach Don, and I started doing my figures and I just sort of snuck a peek at the patch next to mine over to Jean-Christophe's patch. And I was like, I can beat him. I can totally beat him. And it was just this like, I don't know, it was, it was an amazing kind of this epiphany. It's like, man, work really does change things. It's like, I never could have beat this guy. So when I went to Sarajevo, I beat him five judges to four. There's nine judges on a panel. I beat him five judges to four on the first figure. I beat him seven judges to two on the second figure. And then on the third figure, I beat him nine judges to zero. And, and it was there that I knew that it was going to be really hard for me to not win the Olympic gold medal. So I, I got through the short program. That was the whole story. And then I went to the long and I was by then, the right side of my head was completely congested. I'd, I'd gotten a cold while I was there, and, and I was pretty congested. And I couldn't take any antihistamines or anything else because doping, right? You know, you don't want to lose a medal over, you know, antihistamine or something like that. So I didn't skate my best on the night. And, you know, I feel badly about that, but I feel good about the fact that I hadn't really lost a run through of my long program in like almost three months. So I was really trained. And if I hadn't have been that trained, the, the long program could have been, would have been, should have been a lot worse. So, you know, I needed to be fifth in the long program in order to lose the gold medal. And the math had to be just perfect, right? So I ended up being second in the long program. And as I'm standing on the podium, accepting an Olympic gold medal, about to see my flag, our flag raise and hear our anthem, I was like, this is not a personal achievement. This is this is a moment shared with my country, um, a product of the United States. Um, everything that is in me is a product of the United States. So this isn't my moment. This is our moment. But all the other things just sort of crept in. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, I want to know exactly what it's like to stand on that podium and accept an Olympic gold medal. And I go, it's complicated. <laughs> 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 because it's relief that I got through the gauntlet 
and I made it successfully to the end of the gauntlet, right? It's that feeling of triumph. Like I dreamed of this moment for the last four years and now it's actually happening. I never thought to dream it before that, like ever, because I just thought it was something that could never happen to somebody like me. And then I thought everything I've ever known since I was nine years old was leading up to this moment. Like, who am I now? And I wish, I wish my mom were here to see this. Uh, really, you know, because she was the fuel that made it happen. And and where am, what am I going to do now? And and it's like, you know, I was just at a loss. You know, I was I was happy. I was sad. I was I was like so in the moment, and I was so you know kind of like lost in what's next. And and I go back after the awards ceremony. D- Doug Wilson, who is a legendary television director from ABC all the way back to the Wild World of Sports days, he said, "Well, my friend." your life will never be the same. And I just thought, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I, I got back to Denver and um, there was a parade in downtown Denver for me where 5,000 people packed Larimer Square. And I was like, what just, what happened here? And then there was all this bus and everything. And then um, I went to the world championships about three and a half weeks later and won there. And then it was time for me to step into life because I was 25 years old. I was living in one of my, at my best friend's parents' basement. Oh and it was like, it's time to put my, you know, grown up adult big boy pants on and go out and make a living. And so I, I turned professional and, and I just, you know, worked really hard and I was able to find a business model that allowed me to create more opportunity out of the last one um, to where I was able to skate for as a professional for 20 years. And I thought if I skated two to four, like, especially if I skated three or four years, then I was really fooling somebody or a lot of people. Um, But I, I just figured this thing out where I had something unique to say on the ice and and I could figure out a, a different way to say it each year. And, and I could build an audience just like all my heroes. And so, you know, I was in ice capades for two years and I never missed a show or a press call. And I was meeting with my manager and uh, we were really dear friends. And he said, um, do you want to help us start a new tour? And I said, well, let me check my calendar. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to. I put my head down and I got to work like I'd never, I've never gotten to work before. And I started working with a new choreographer. I started, um, you know, investing in my professional career. You know, before I had a big company, Ice Capades, investing and presenting me and for doing the music and the costume. Now it was 100% me doing everything. And I put a phenomenal team together and made me really just break down all my inhibitions and just step into the next. And and so as a team, we worked really well together. And I mean, the opportunity to build Stars on Ice was something like no other. And, and it just kept growing and building and growing and building. And pretty soon it got to the point where we, after six years of building the show, Christy Yamaguchi wins a gold medal and she goes, I'm going to stars and ice. I'm not going anywhere else. And it was like, Oh, okay. It exploded from then on. We were a different tour. We're a rock show. We're, we're like legit. And the audiences kept growing and growing and I remember, you know, the fourth year in a row, we sold out Madison Square Garden and, um, you know, I'm on the ice and I'm just like, what in the world is happening here? And then then this red carpet gets rolled out in Madison Square Garden and my friend Bobby Goldwater comes walking out on the red carpet and he goes, you know, this is a very special occasion. I just got through cancer and everything. And and it was just uh, a really um, amazing uh, 
kind of comeback. And he said, we're inducting Scott into the uh, Madison Square Garden Walk of Fame. Wow. And so, I mean, it was one of my proudest moments to be, to be a member, like a permanent member of this iconic building. And it's my, my favorite place to skate. And then, you know, it's amazing how if you work hard and if you work smart, really good things can happen. Man, that is so inspiring. So if you're talking to, uh, whether it's an adult who is wanting to get reinvigorated around the sport or a young kid who is deciding, you know, hey, what can I learn from life and skating? What would you say to them? Well, it's an easy one. You know, skating is one of those things where, the you know, you think about skating and the first thing you think about is falling down, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's like you're going to fall down. You know, it's, in fact, that's the first thing we teach our skaters at the Skating Academy here in Nashville is, everybody, here's how you fall and you show them how to fall, right? And if you start to fall this way, make sure you tuck a little bit so you can protect your head. You're going to fall. We're going to teach you how to fall and we're going to teach you how to get up. And it's like, that's the lesson, you know, and, and, and when you think about it, you know, especially in, in my life and career, you know, when I wrote finish first, um, uh, Allie Fallon and I wrote it together and she said, how many times do you think you fall down on the ice? <laughs> Nobody's ever asked me that question before. <laughs> Minimum 41,600 times. <laughs> All right. So you think about falling down 41,600 times. And you're like, okay, that's ouch. But at the same time, then you take a step back and you think about what's it feel like to get up 41,600 times? And it's the getting up that really is the important thing. You know, um, it goes back to the failures information. If you fall down in skating, you did something wrong. So how do I correct it where I don't make that same mistake again? Or how do I work through that mistake to, to make sure that I can get beyond it? And you're going to fall down. And it's, and it's, you know, it's all part of that getting up and learning, getting up and learning, getting like I'm diagnosed with cancer. Okay. That's okay. All right. I am scared. I'm scared. I'm not scared anymore. Okay. What do we need to do? What do I, what are we, what are, you know, what are my next steps? Okay. I can learn how to do this. Okay. Okay. Chemo. Okay. I can do that. Um, surgery. Okay. I don't really want, okay. I can do that. And then you, you sort of like, you build these muscles of, of, yeah, you're going to get knocked down. How are you going to get up? I heard Eric Hyden say at an Olympics one time um, after he won five Olympic gold medals, uh, he said something to the effect of it's not the events in your life that define you or your character, it's how you respond to them. And I really believe that, you know, it's really a great thing with skating is the whole idea of falling down. It's really taught me the getting up part. And, you know, through each of my unique uh, medical situations, I've found a way to get up. And uh, through all the different failures in my life, whether it be relational or, um, you know, just whatever, you know, I, yeah, I found a way to, you know, kind of just try to learn, grow, get stronger. And hopefully, um, you know, I can rise above that mistake because I realize, you know, we're human beings and we're almost in meant to fail, right, in some capacity. And, and, and the, the, I'm grateful for all the times that I've had to get up. You know, one fall in particular, I, I decided at 51, I was going to come back and perform in my 10th anniversary of this cancer fundraiser. I, I used to throw in Cleveland. It was a big night and I had a camera crew following me. And I got my friend Bobby Goldwater from Madison Square Garden. He, he just said, uh, how's the backflip going? I go, Bobby, I'm 51. I, uh, why would I do a backflip? And he goes, when was the last time you did a show without one? And I go, oh, 
I guess I have to figure out how to do a backflip in like two weeks. So I <laughs> found a gymnastic studio. Um, after about a week or so, we took it to the ice and I was able to figure it out, you know, because I'd done tens of thousands of backflips on the in shows and stuff. So I'm, I'm looking at that going, wow, I, I might be able to do this. So I get to the show and there's that camera crew in the corner. And uh, I go out to do my, I land my first jump and I'm really happy. And then I go around to this jump combination. At the end of the jump combination, I realized that I'm not on my skates. I'm actually sitting down on the ice. And it was like, oh man. And I went to get up and my legs kind of buckled a little bit. And I realized that my legs are gone. I got nothing left. So I got to go all the way down to the other end of the ice. And I have to come all the way back where I just got up and do a backflip on 51 year old drop dead legs. Really? That, that doesn't feel like it's even possible, you know? So I got up and I got some speed up and I did this big breath of fresh air. And I looked into the audience and sitting directly in front of me was William Shatner. And I just burst out laughing, thinking, now there's something you don't see every day. You know? and, and it just sort of took away all the all the trepidation, all the fear, everything else. And I, I, I just, I dug as deep as I could possibly dig and I had nothing left and nothing left. And um, I threw this backflip and I landed it on both my feet and the crowd stood up. There was 8,500 people. And without them, I never would have made it to the finish line of that performance. And at the end of the uh, show, the camera crew came up and said, quick interview. And I go, sure, absolutely. And the first thing they did is like, you fell. And I go, I did. And they go, were you embarrassed? <laughs> and I thought about it for a second. I said, no, no, I wasn't embarrassed. And they go, come on, really? And I go, you know, no, because that fall kind of re represents everything. We fail and we get up and we get knocked down and we get up and we get fired. We get up and we get sick and we get up. And that, that represented everything. And so for me to get up and then turn around and try to do a backflip on zero legs at my age, it was kind of like, to me, that that's the get up. And I think all of us, every single person has a get up story. They just, you know, if they haven't found it yet, they're just probably looking in the wrong places or they're, they're you know, they haven't figured out exactly what their place in it is. And and we all, you know, it, it, if we really put ourselves out there at a, at a level where we want to succeed and we want to grow and we want to be better than we've ever been, there's going to be some failure attached to it. So I encourage people to get out there and fail. <laughs> that is such a great message. And I know that you were also talking about your fundraiser, the Scott Hamilton and Friends I Show fundraising event that has become an annual tradition. Tell us about the cause behind the event and what fans can expect and where to get tickets. Well, it's um, I've been a fundraiser after I lost my mom in 77. And then 20 years after I lost her, I survived cancer. So I became more of an activist knowing what was missing in the cancer community. So I started the CARES platform. Uh, it lived at the Cleveland Clinic for about 15 years. And for the last seven we've been an independent foundation raising money for an immune response to cancer immunotherapy. So we believe that you know, the chemotherapy and all the other chemicals and poisons that are introduced to our body, I'm still here 25 years later because of chemotherapy, but I can't wait to get rid of it. And I, I do think there's a better way to treat cancer. And it's been proven over the last five years, even though we, we put this stake in the ground seven years ago, five years ago, um, the first immunotherapy drug, CAR-T therapy um, was introduced for lymphoma. And then I think about four years ago, 
uh, James P. Allison won the Nobel Prize for Medicine for his work um, in immunotherapy for cancer. So we were we were at the very forefront of this movement, and and now that's all we do. So this year, Lady A is joining us, and uh, Marin Morris, and uh, Grace Potter, uh, my friend C.C. Winans is going to come as well. So we're going to have some rock, some country. Uh, we're going to spend a little time at church, you know, in this show, and. And uh, they all perform for some of the greatest skaters to ever take the ice. Um, we've got a phenomenal cast coming this year. Uh, you know, Katya Gordieva, um, Ilya Kulik, uh, you know, world champions like Caitlin Osmond, um, uh, Jeff Buttle, world champion, Olympic medalist, uh, Ryan Bradley, U.S. champion, uh, Jeremy Abbott, Alyssa Sisney, uh, Gracie Gold. We've got a phenomenal cast of skaters coming to skate to this music and um our house band is six wire so we're in really good shape there so these artists are going to come out and, and all the proceeds are going to uh research a better way immunotherapy way of treating uh, a cancer that right now is not treatable and that's glioblastoma if you need more information on tickets or sponsorship you can go to scottcares.org and um, there is a landing spot there for the event. Um, and uh, of course, you know, we'll be uh, respecting all of the uh, considerations at Bridgestone Arena uh, as far as their fan policies and COVID restriction, whatever. Uh, we're going to try to make sure that we're able to navigate all of that to make sure that we can have a big audience and they can all feel safe and they can all feel um, they, they, they're able to fight back in, in a disease that 69 people in the last hour has, have died of cancer in the United States. And that's not just a number. That's, that's like one of those is my mom, right? You know, so that, that, that's what it is to someone out there. It's like they're losing, you know, mothers, fathers, you know, sons, daughters, you know, grandparents. I mean, this is a disease that's solvable. We just have to invest in the solution. And I've spent the biggest chunk of my life, you know, two thirds of my life doing that is just trying to find a way to do this better. So I'm really hoping that people will come out on November 21st and support us and, and sponsor us. If, if if they can't come to the show, they can still go to scottcares.org and, and support us in any small way, bringing as many people on board as we possibly can to invest in the right research with the right people at the right facilities, with the right partners, that's going to solve this thing faster. And we're a relatively small organization, so we're very nimble and agile, and we can um, get to things quickly and in a, in a much more impactful capacity. Wow. Well, Scott, I'm inspired. Appreciate you being on the Action Catalyst. This was such a pleasure talking with you here today. God bless you. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.